Do you want to feel strong, confident, and ready to enjoy life? I'm Jen Shaver, a triple certified fitness expert and mother living her best midlife. I want to help you achieve a healthy, active lifestyle without ever having to go to the gym. We grow together every Monday, so be sure to subscribe and tune in to your weekly fit news. This episode of Fit News is sponsored by... Make wellness a priority in your life. Women's bodies face changes and fluctuations in hormones as they go through the cycle of menopause. Strong for Life offers an exercise program to help you invest in your future and health without crazy routines. We deliver the results you deserve from your time and effort. Go to strongforlifefitness.com to learn more. Now back to our show. Hi. I'm Jen Shaver, host of the Fit News Podcast. Are you ready to explore a path to a vibrant health through laughter, resilience, and daily dedication? Join me on this episode then with my special guest. She is a three-time cancer survivor. Gretchen Holmes is a dynamic speaker and host of the Work In Between podcast, where she and her guests take a deep dive into the struggles, joys, and daily actions to move us toward physical, emotional, and spiritual health. Diagnosed with diabetes in 2021, Gretchen transformed her life by losing 110 pounds and continues to focus on the daily work necessary to maintain a vibrant, healthy lifestyle. Previously, Gretchen worked as a stand-up comedian and continues to use humor to navigate the complexities of life. She was also the co-creator, co-producer, writer, and on-air talent for WUMR's Let's Talk Health, and was named as one of the 100 successful women to know on the Gulf Coast in 2022 by Gulf Coast Women Magazine. Gretchen, welcome today to the Fit News Podcast. I am so excited to have this chat with you because I found you through LinkedIn, and then I listened to your podcast, and I absolutely love it. So, I want my audience to be introduced to someone so special and spectacular who is also out there sharing so much. Let's get started with your story because it's amazing. Oh, thank you. And thank you for listening and supporting the work in between, which has certainly been a labor of love, as I know you understand. Yes. And (laughs) uh, based on that introduction, no wonder I'm exhausted. Uh, Right. (laughs) I have been busy. Um, so, you know, my story started over 20 years ago when I was diagnosed with cancer the first time. Okay. And while I had what everybody told me was a good cancer, I had thyroid cancer, it still impacted my life in so many ways. In fact, it still does. Right. And so I was diagnosed when I was at NYU actually and had surgeries, but didn't get the treatment. And it was standard of care, so I'm not sure why I didn't do it, but but we didn't. And mm-hmm. about five years later, I while I was in PhD school, I went to a doctor there in Lexington, and I just woke up that morning, and there was a voice in my head that said, you need to go to the doctor. There were no symptoms. There was nothing beyond the normal fatigue of being in a PhD program. Yeah, And I went... And I found out I was stage four. Wow. I had lung metastases. 
And so I also found out there was only one physician really who dealt with that. And I thought, oh no, I'm in trouble. But then I found out he was NIH trained and one of the leading clinicians in this area in the country. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was really blessed because he treated me and cured me um, of those issues at the time. I went on to uh, live a, a pretty normal life, but I'd always had a weight problem, always. Yeah. And I'd lost 100 pounds a couple of different times, but couldn't keep it off like oh my. a lot of people. Yeah. And um, in the fall of 2020, I found out I had endometrial cancer. And I thought, who gets cancer three times? I mean, really? Yeah. I did. Anyway, <laughs> so I got cancer for the third time and I was treated. I was fine. But then in May, the following year, I was diagnosed with diabetes. And believe it or not, that scared me more right. than all of the cancer diagnoses did because I had been watching my younger brother uh, get sicker and sicker from the effects of diabetes. He had already uh, gotten put on uh his kidneys had already failed. So he was on dialysis. He had already lost, you know, part of his leg. His health was declining. Yeah. And I had been pre-diabetic for five or six years, had plenty of opportunities to get my health in order, but I didn't. And so when I was diagnosed with diabetes, I knew what I needed to do. I went home that night and I joined Weight Watchers because mm-hmm. that scared me to death. Right. And because I know what my future was going to be. Right. Yeah. You saw it. It was, it was all, yeah. you know, you saw it in what your brother was suffering with. Yeah. Yeah. And we'd had conversations about it. And unfortunately, he passed about three months later. Uh, but that just made me more and more committed. And I realized this time what was different, though, in all these many, many, many times of trying to lose weight. Mm-hmm was I realized that I had time, that I had just become diabetic, that a whole lot of damage had not yet occurred. And I had time to make the changes I needed to make. And so along with that, I realized that I needed to approach this whole process with gratitude, not feeling sorry for myself, not being angry, not having a pity party, not feeling deprived and punished, but pure gratitude. And I did. And that's been over three years and I'm still grateful. And it completely changed how I approached transforming my life because I, I can honestly say I have not been angry. I've not felt sorry for myself. I have just been grateful. Right. So I treated myself better. Yeah. And it's amazing what that attitude of gratitude can do, right? That, that whole mindset shift of being grateful, you know, and somebody might say, well, what are you grateful for? Well, I'm grateful for the fact that I get the chance, right? To turn things around and to make the lifestyle adjustments. Yes. I mean, I knew because I knew my brother did not have time. Right. That he was not going to be able to turn this around. Right. But I thought, you're not in the same place. 
sucks that he is. Now right. you you could be keep it up. Yeah. You will be, right. but you're not. Yeah. And so I happen to have a, a fantastic primary care physician and I worked with him uh, to make sure that my medication was correct. And, and he listened to all of my, my silly questions and never got sick of me, or at least he didn't tell me he did. Right. And he was a great partner for me because yeah. he was always non-judgmental. He, I knew he was going to be in my corner every step of the way. He was going to celebrate my wins. Uh-huh. He was my cheerleader. Right. But I also realized somewhere along the path that I had to become my number one cheerleader. Right. Instead of self-hatred, self-shaming, um, approaching this with all of the negativity, uh, I realized that I could only love myself with good health, that I was going to have to work on my relationship with food. I was going to have to figure out why I ate so much because I I maintain that mm-hmm. nobody chooses to be obese. Right. Right. No, nobody why would you? Why would you? What? There's nothing easy about it, right? No, and, and the world is cruel. I mean, right. it's it's people feel almost entitled to say things to you yeah. even if they don't know you. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, you know, if it was truly about my health, which is what we all get told our whole mm-hmm. lives, it's about right. your health. We just care about you. And I thought if that were the case, when I showed up in a gym, they would throw me a parade. They right. would hand me balloons. They would be so excited to see me. But that is never what ever happened. And so I knew that they didn't want me there. Yeah, I knew that people were uncomfortable, that they would prefer if I stayed in my house until I was an acceptable weight, Yeah, um, because it just really bothered people. So why would anyone consciously choose to do that? So clearly there were traumas, something was going on that I was using food to self-soothe. And I had to figure out what that was. Right. Right. You know, let's go back. Uh, I, I do want to talk about, you know, because so much um, goes on with emotional eating. But before we get there, I want to go back because you talked about your doctor being mm-hmm. um, part of your team, right? Yes. I mean, you working together. And that is such an important component is to have a doctor that number one listens, right? Yes. But also that you feel comfortable asking questions to because that's an important part of being an advocate for yourself and getting to where you need to be is feeling like you can ask the questions. It is. And to me, it all came down to trust. Yeah. Did I trust this physician? Because when I, when you talk about things like weight, it's very vulnerable, right? You know, cause you're admitting that you've got some issues that mm-hmm. you probably, that you certainly eat more than you should, that, that if you could do it by yourself, you would have by now because right. people who are overweight or obese know they are. It's not a secret. Right. And I've often said, because I, I give a lot of talks to physicians and, and starting to talk with patients, you know, we know we're obese when we walk in the world. We don't right. need you to tell us that. But right. what we do need you to do is to help us, mm-hmm. to help us understand what we can do that will make a difference. Help us 
break it down so it's not so overwhelming to us. Because, you know, for my case, I had well over 100 pounds to lose. Mm -hmm. And I would go in one day, I would go from, I can do this. This isn't so hard. I'll take it one meal at a time. And I will go walking and I will do it. And then by, you know, 10 a.m., I'm like, I can't do this. This is hopeless. I can't, right. I can't, there's no way I can do this. I'm destined to be overweight my whole life. And then by noon, I'm like, no, I can do this. I know how to do this. And then, you know, by three o'clock, I'm like, I just can't do this. I don't know. And so obviously we need some help. We need some right. guidance. We need some tools. And mm-hmm. our physicians should be, they should be there to to provide not only uh, good medical advice, but to let us know that that they believe in us, that they know that we could do this and how right. can they help us? Because the way they think they need to help us and what we need from them, from our perspective, right. are often two very different things. Right. Because so often the doctor speak is just uh, from a biomedical standpoint where it's just yes, no questions. Right. And that doesn't really get anywhere sometimes, you know, especially with patients who need extra, right. I mean, it's not just about the eating and the exercise Mm -mm. and, you know, so we have to find a way to communicate with our doctors. That's going to help us to, you know, first just help us get to the starting line. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we can even think we can do it because it is so overwhelming. Yeah. If it wasn't, we'd have done it already. Right. Right. So what would you say to somebody? Like, how do you start that conversation, I guess, with your doctor that's going to, you know, get you to the starting line? I think there's a couple of things that you can do. And in my case, I had a good relationship with my physician because, frankly, I was his boss. (laughs) And that's how it should be, though. Well, I see what you're saying. I mean, in real life. So I, I, you know. Even even outside of of that, that's how it should be. The patient needs to remember that, I think, when they go into the doctor's office that, hey, you have hired this person to help you. And so they need to be listening. Yeah. I mean, at least we should be equal partners. Exactly. Right. You know, and and so everybody brings something different to the table. and. We as patients know our bodies best. Yeah. Uh, we're also unfortunately often in denial and we lie sometimes and we, you know, don't tell the whole truth and yeah. uh, that doesn't help. Yeah. But um, physicians can provide really great medical advice, uh-huh. but they also, I think, need to, to continue to build trust and make mm-hmm. sure that patients feel comfortable being vulnerable with them because it's a lot to ask um, physicians to, or it's a lot to ask patients to open up, be fully honest. If we're not quite sure that we can trust them with our emotions, our feelings, you know, mm-hmm. one time and I'll answer your question in, in a second, but yeah. I, the first time I got cancer, I was living in New York city and I was really upset. Yeah. And I remember talking to my endocrinologist and I said, I just, I, I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know if I should mm-hmm. do the treatment. I don't know what I should do. And I started to cry. And the physician looked at me and said, I can't help you. 
And he turned around and walked out of the room and went to his office, which is after the visits, we would go sit in his office and we would finish up the the, the visit. And I I dried my tears and I and mind you, I was in my 30s. I wasn't like, you know, right. young, but I walked in there and I thought, well, OK, you've made it very clear. So I walked in, I sat down, he showed me pictures of his grandchildren and he was joking with me. And that was the end of the visit. Now, I never went back to him. Good. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. Good. But I couldn't obviously trust him. And right. so it's the number one thing that I that I tell patients is find a physician that you feel you can trust. Yeah. And some of us may have more options than others, but it's okay to speak up and say, look, I'm uncomfortable. You know, this is really hard for me to talk about. And I am concerned about how you might respond to what I, what I need to say, Mm -hmm. because it also kind of clears the air and it puts the doctor on notice that, wait a minute, they may have to take a step back and reevaluate the situation. Right. Because they make a lot of assumptions just like we do as patients. And sometimes when we're the, the 27th patient that they've had that day, yeah. they're trying to be efficient. They're trying to do what they're supposed to do. But sometimes they forget that yeah. they have to meet patients where they are. Right. Right. Yeah. So we have to speak up and let them know what we need. Yeah. We can't let them guess. We need to tell them. Right what we need from them and open up that dialogue. And I think that's a place that we fail miserably mm-hmm. that when they start talking about the, the medical stuff and, and the numbers, I think it's perfectly okay to say, okay, hang on just a second. Can we back up for a minute? Here's what I really need to talk about for a minute, because I just need to get my bearings and I need your help uh, to help me do that. And right. I think most physicians would respond very positively to that. One of the things that we we often put physicians in a really bad situation because we want them to guess. Yeah. We don't speak up and we need to speak up. We need to be our best advocates. Right. That doesn't mean bringing in 25 pages of, of <laughs> Google doctor. Right. Um, but what it means is asking honest questions and letting them know what really is bothering you and, and what your concerns are. So at least we give them the opportunity to meet us where they are or where right. we are. Um, and that starts an open and honest conversation. Um, but if, if after you try that, if you still can't talk comfortably with a physician, then if you have the, the opportunity, I would say, try to find another physician mm-hmm. that you feel more comfortable with right. because that's a very intimate relationship. You're talking about really personal stuff. Right. Right. And your health is on the line. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. So we got to start building that trust and telling uh, medical professionals what we need from them. Um, and then we have to start holding ourselves accountable mm-hmm. um, and making sure that we are providing honest information and uh doing what they're asking us to do. If we're uncomfortable mm-hmm. with it, we need to let them know about that. To just not do it isn't a good option. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, you know, both sides, both both docs and and patients, we have a lot of work. Right. But it, and yeah. it comes down to communication. It is all about yeah. being honest and ethical in your communication uh, and meeting each other somewhere in the middle and right. building that relationship. But the one thing I will say that that drives us nuts as patients, especially when you have a weight problem, is that every time you go to the doctor, no matter what you go there for, it's a conversation about your weight. <laughs> if you're yes. a physician, Leslie, please don't do that right. because right. my ear infection just treat the ear infection for a change because when we're constantly getting bombarded, uh, one, we, we kind of shut down and number two, then we stop going to the doctor. Right. Right. Because we know what, what is going to be talked about, right? It's not really what we're going there for. It's, it's the weight. It is. And, and one of the things that I also see happening a lot is, you know, we want to please our physicians. That's really important. Mm -hmm. We want them to be proud of us. And if we have started a a program and and we've lost 10 pounds or whatever, and we come see our doctor, um, we really need you to acknowledge it. We really need you to say, good job. What have you been doing? How can I help you? Uh, Not ignore it. Not say, well, you still have 100 more to lose. Not saying all of these kind of really, my mom would call them little deaths because they're so crushing. Right. And so, you know, we all have to be more mindful. It would help a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about your journey. So how, so you said you started, um, you decided to go Weight Watchers. And so then what happened? What did you do? Because you lost a considerable amount, 110. It is. is. Um, And and because I had thyroid cancer twice, so I had no thyroid. I oh nice medical hysterectomy. <laughs> I was 58 years old. I thought, well, all of that is against me. Oh yeah, I, in a, in a big way. Not just I mean, it's just yeah. just a little thing. But I mean, your thyroid yeah. controls a lot of what's going on. Yeah, and I yeah. thought, well, one of those things could really derail me and prevent success. But three of those, three. yeah. Wow. Okay. So I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to trust the process because yeah. I have to do something. Mm-hmm. And so I started, I got home and I, I joined Weight Watchers that night and I did not even tell my husband. Mm-hmm. And so the next day, of course, I come home with all these happy, healthy groceries and stuff. <laughs> and my, my husband's like, what are you doing? And I said, well, and I told him what happened. And, and he said, so now we're, we're going to eat healthy, I see. And I said, Yep. And he said, is this something maybe we want to talk about? And I said, nope, <laughs> this, is, this is what we're doing. <laughs> and I'm incredibly lucky because he he just jumped right in and was fully supportive. And But I, I did what you're supposed to do. I started weighing and measuring my food. Yeah. And I tracked honestly. And, and that's a big thing, the tracking, you know, particularly when you're just starting so that way you can visually see because so often we're like oh it was just a handful mm-hmm. but how many handfuls was it right yeah and, and yeah. You are there's... honest about it like you said it's yeah oh eye opening is doesn't even begin right i mean so i think most of us who join something like weight watchers we go in and and we put in what our normal eating used to look like yeah right which for me every sunday i like to a Hardy's biscuit 
you know, one of their um, uh, country steak biscuits with gravy on it. Right. So, So the sandwich itself is like three quarters, if not more of the points that I actually got in a day. Yeah. And I thought, well, if I only ate that one sandwich for the whole day, that wouldn't be bad. But we know that I, <laughs> and I love Hardee's. I'm not calling Hardee's out. I mean, right. I, and yeah. any, any fast food sandwich. Right. Um, and I thought, well, as I look and see what a typical day would be for me, nobody is shocked that I weighed as much as I did yeah. because I ate a lot. Yeah. I mean, a lot. So um, what I did is I followed the plan and mm-hmm. I I made food that I knew I would like. So I didn't do diet food. I wasn't sitting there eating boiled eggs and celery. Yeah. Not that I don't like them, but that to me reeks diet. And I don't like that. And I thought, right. well, if you're and it finally dawned on me because people say it all the time that you're building a lifestyle. Uh-huh. And I, well, if if I am going to do this for the rest of my life, then I better build a lifestyle that is full of really delicious food that I can eat. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Did. And I never ate, if I didn't like it, I never ate it again. But I weighed and measured everything. I tracked honestly. I never had trouble with tracking honestly. I, because I was in such a good place that I wanted to hold myself accountable. And I realized that denial had gotten me into this. Yeah. And denial was not going to get me out of it. So I had to be honest. And believe me, the conversations in my head, sometimes I would argue with myself. And finally, I'd go, Gretchen, what are you doing? And I always ended up tracking it. I couldn't go to bed without tracking it. And it made all the difference because the weight started coming off uh, almost immediately. Mm -hmm. And one day turn in, turned into two days and two days turned into a week. Yeah. And I, up to this point, and it's like I said, it's been since February of 2021. I've never had a cheat day. I've never had a cheat meal. I, I, I eat very healthfully. I eat very clean, but what I found that, that really surprised me was I was addicted to sugar. Mm-hmm. Like so many people are. Right. Because, but I didn't know it. And I'm, you know, processed carbs, my my brain thinks it's crack. And so I had spent my entire life, 58 years eating with a lot of anxiety because I was never full. Yeah. Never. I could and I could eat enormous amounts of food and I'd go, well, surely you are you you know you're full. And but my brain, it never registered. Mm-hmm. And so you know, growing up, there was plenty of food. But if I went to spend the night at a girlfriend's house or something, I was so anxious because I thought, I wonder if there's going to be enough food. There might not be enough food. And if I get hungry, I have to be able to eat. And I can't go raid their pantry. What am I going to do? <laughs> I spent my entire life like that. Yeah. And two weeks, I kid you not, two weeks into the program, all of a sudden, my brain went, you're full. And I thought, what is this? Yeah. What? And my anxiety went away. Wow. And it's never come back. Pretty powerful. It's very powerful. And so I, I, I became addicted to that feeling. And I realized 
that if I didn't even lose another pound and if Mm -hmm. I had to go on more medication and I needed whatever, it was worth it to me Mm -hmm. to have that anxiety gone because it had preoccupied, you know, 58 years of my life. Right. But the weight kept coming off. And after about 14, 15 months, I reached goal. And even my my doctor said, you know, don't be surprised if you can't get as low as your goal is. Yeah. And I said, watch me. And I I made it. I hit it. And I have been at goal now for about a year and a half. That's amazing. And it, it is amazing because I have stayed within two pounds. Wow. That entire time. And you, I mean, I want to go back to the cards were really stacked against you. And I uh-huh. think that, that that needs to be really acknowledged because that is something to overcome. And that is something that so many might say, eh, my thyroid doesn't work, so I can't lose weight, right? Mm-hmm. My hormones are a wreck because I had a hysterectomy. Too old. I'm too old. Yeah. So, and, I mean, and, and it worked. It yeah. still worked. Right. Right. And- it sounds to me like part of the reason why it worked is because you started the process knowing what your why is mm-hmm. and being rooted with a strong why. And the why was your health. I wanted to live. Yeah. I wanted to live. And some might say, well, that's kind of melodramatic. And I thought, no, yeah. it's not because... I, my, my window at work actually oversees the wound care parking lot. So every day I see people who are younger and younger coming in with limbs that have been amputated, just super morbid obesity, Mm -hmm. and they're getting younger and younger. And I didn't want to do that to my family. I thought, you know, I, my brother was, I, he was my hero. For so many, many, many reasons. He was my younger brother. And I watched him uh, go through all of these things and all these health events and all of this. And he was so strong. He was so strong. And he was always optimistic. And he was always going to going to make it. And, And he was going to survive. And and I remember thinking when I was diagnosed. I'm not going to be that strong. I mean, I was strong getting through cancer, but I had all these people helping me. And and I knew I was, I I can't do it. I can't do that. And so I didn't want my, my husband and my daughter, my grandsons to have to do that for me. If I could prevent it, because I knew that I would be racked with guilt. And that's no way to live either. Looking for a fitness program that fits into your busy schedule? Look no further than Strong for Life Light. Our brand new program offers whole workouts every month that you can do from the comfort of your own home. No need to worry about missing classes or juggling gym time with family time. Join Strong for Life Light today and get on track to a healthier you. Now back to this episode of the Fit News Podcast. Yeah, well, it is amazing what you have accomplished. Thank you. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, you don't, like I said, you had, first of all, a three-time cancer survivor, and then having to overcome those barriers to weight loss. And you, you, you've done all of that. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot to celebrate, Gretchen. It, there's a lot to celebrate in there. <laughs> it is. And I do. I, I do. Um, and, you know, part of the reason I started my podcast was self-insurance. Um, to keep me focused and make sure this stays front of mind because mm-hmm. there's a lot I don't know about how to uh, do this because mm-hmm. the, the odds are stacked against me in the front end of this. Mm-hmm. They're really stacked against me now right? because maintaining 110 pound weight loss for any length of time yeah. is really difficult. And I thought, how do I do that? How, you know, how do I make sure I don't become complacent, that I don't start slipping into old habits, that I don't start making excuses? Because I'm really, really um, smart in my head and I can fool myself pretty easily sometimes. And I thought, I'm sneaky. I I could see (laughs) myself convincing myself to, you know, that's... That's not a bad thing to do. And I thought, I don't, I got to make sure that I am, I'm going to keep getting stronger. Mm -hmm. And so I started the podcast, not because just because I wanted to make sure other people learned how to, to reach their goals too, but because I wanted to stay front of mind and I want to keep learning all of the steps and the secrets and the tricks and the tools so that when one start quits working for me, I have another one. Right. Because we change, we grow and, right. and the same tools don't always work. So I'm like, I'm, I'm going to keep reinforcing for myself as well, how to do this. Because when you get started, you know, people say a lot of things and I know you've been in this, this world for a long time. So, you know, they'll say things like, um, you know, you got to work on your relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do. Yeah. You have to develop a healthy eating program. Mm-hmm. Got to do that too. Uh, you should definitely move more. Yep, that's a good thing. Uh, how do you do any of that? What does that even mean to work on your relationship with food? Right. What does doing inside work mean? Because I, be, I don't know. Break that down mm-hmm. into some actionable step for me. Where do I start? So that's why I did this because I thought if I didn't know, then I bet there's other people who don't know and they're just throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks. Right. Right. And there's so much out there. Right. And then as women, we tend to overthink. So, you know, am I supposed to, if I'm fasting, is it okay to drink water? Is it okay to have black coffee? Is it okay? And, you know, 60 different questions come up and then you don't know which one to believe. And so you just throw your hands up in the air and you say, oh, never mind. I'm just not going to do any of them. Yep. Didn't work. Didn't work again. Yeah. (laughs) Well, of course it didn't work. Plus most of us who, especially I think those of us who have a lot of weight to lose, Mm -hmm. tend to come at it. And I guess probably a lot of people do this, not just folks who have a lot of weight to lose, but we're very ambitious. Right. Right. We start on Monday and we're really ambitious. And so we're going to eat... uh, super, super healthy. And then we are going to go to the gym for two hours every day. 
And then we are going to walk at night and then we're going to do this. And then we're going to, and, and then after day three, we're really sore. We're starving to death Mm -hmm. and we go, we can't, this is not sustainable. Right. 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 Rather than starting with small steps, you know, even if it's just more water or a hundred more steps today than you took yesterday. Yeah. That's what worked for me. Right. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what makes it sustainable. Because like you said, when, when, you know, when life gets in the way on day four and suddenly you can't take the walk and you can't get to the gym or, you know, you got to grab a snack Mm -hmm. and you don't know what to do. uh, Forget it. I'm just going to grab the chips and head out the door. Yeah, because the uh, one little piece of it we couldn't do. Mm-hmm. I mean, even and so then we go. Well, it's over. Right, it's just over. And why that? Well, of course you couldn't do all of that because our lives do not remain static. Right, and it's messy and it's busy. And mm-hmm. so I learned um, how to add small habits. That and I'll tell you the number one habit. There were two mm-hmm. that made all the difference for me. And I still do this three okay. years later. Yeah. I pack my lunch every night before I go to work. Yep. That's it. Amazing. Amazing That's what it. that does. Right. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I knew I had control over breakfast because I right. ate it. Home. And I right. had control over dinner because I ate it at home. Right. But lunch, man, that is just fraught with all sorts of challenges and, and yeah. uh, you know, problems. And mm-hmm. I still... Even if I buy lunch for my team or we have potlucks or whatever, I still bring my lunch every day. Or if we, if we're having a potluck, I bring something I know I can eat Mm -hmm. and want to eat. Right. Um, And I still do that. And I probably always will because it helps me not freak out and panic. Right. Puts you in control. It puts you in the driver's seat. Yeah. And which is so important. and there is a certain amount of, you know, there's a lot of social pressure out oh. there. You know, I, I mean, there's plenty of pressure on you in your own house quite often. Right. I was lucky. I mean, my my husband would w- was taking, unbeknownst to me, started taking notes about stuff that I was eating so that he knew what to fix. Ah, nice. <laughs> I know. I Train him well. <laughs> no, I know. And then I found out later that, um, I mean, I didn't know that, right, that he had done yeah. that. And then he also, if he made something, he would leave the box on the counter. So I didn't have to dig through the garbage so I could scan it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I know. It's those little things like that. But I was lucky because he's super supportive. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who are trying to get healthier for all sorts of really important reasons. And then they have people who, at home who are giving them pressure and they're sabotaging. Mm-hmm. But at work, there is an incredible amount of food shaming mm-hmm. in reverse because people don't want to feel uncomfortable. They uh-huh. think you're judging them because you're eating healthy and they're not. Right. I don't care what anybody else eats. Um, so I think it's really, really important that people understand that it is not just about you, that you are having to navigate some really tough situations and still right. stay true to wanting to reach your goals. You got to stick to your guns. It's not easy. Right. It's not about eating healthy and moving. There's right. a lot more. 
to it than that. Right. Right. And again, I think that comes down to how strong is your why, right? Because Mm -hmm. when those situations arise, is that why there to support you to stay strong? Yeah. And that's why I've, I've always said, look, I think it's really a wonderful goal to want to lose 10 pounds for a wedding. Mm -hmm. I do. I think if you want to lose 20 pounds because you're going on a cruise and you want to look nice, I get that. But as soon as that event is over, right. You'll gain back, you know, if not more. Oh, always, always more. You know, question. I love that um, you spend a lot of time noticing and recognizing that there is a physical, emotional, and spiritual component when it comes to our health. It's not just what we eat or how we move. It's, it's, it's very multifaceted. It is. And I realized when I, well, I think I've known this, but I realized as I really started digging into why I ate like I ate, I started going to therapy uh, originally for grief because I was so upset when I lost my brother um, mm-hmm. because then at the, then my mom and dad were both gone. My older brother was gone and now my younger brother. So my entire nuclear family and I was angry. Yeah. I was incredibly angry. And so I started going for that. But then we started getting into the why of mm-hmm. why I treated myself that way. Mm-hmm. Why was I self-soothing with food? And I real I realized through a lot of help because I think people think they have to do this all on their own and they don't. Right. A lot of people out there who can help you. There's therapists and coaches and we all need I swear we all need therapists and we all need coaches because it it becomes too much on our own. Mm -hmm. And in my case, there certainly were some, some childhood issues that um, came up as to partly why I was self-soothing one Mm -hmm. coming from an alcoholic home that didn't help. Um, And I realized that my eating was emotional. Yeah. It wasn't physical. It wasn't because I was physically hungry. It was because I was mentally and emotionally hungry. And I realized that there was a spiritual component as well that needed some attention. Mm -hmm. I needed to tap into and figure out what was important to me. What were my values? What, What was getting trampled on that was causing me to treat myself the way I was treating myself? And what did I need to heal spiritually, emotionally, to continue on this journey. Because I've always maintained that if you do work on your relationship with food, the scale will follow. Right. Because it has to. Mm -hmm. If you're really doing that hard work of trying to figure out what really is going on because we eat our feelings. We, it's not just because we like to eat. That's the right. biggest. Right. What are we using food to substitute for? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and we talk about that, but I don't think a lot of us ever did a very deep dive into, well, let's really figure that out because that's hard to do by yourself. You do right. need somebody to help navigate that with you. Right. And then it made me, face some things that I hadn't really faced. And, mm-hmm. and I had to forgive myself for a lot of things and right. quit being so hard on myself 
for the way I responded to things growing up. And, and in fact, the one thing I have learned during this whole journey that keeps getting better and better and better for me is that I needed to learn how to celebrate that little girl who didn't just survive. Mm -hmm. She thrived. Right. And so I have to remember that because that is critical to my being able to keep moving on this path that I'm at, that I'm on, because I'm trying to help other people feel empowered mm-hmm. and feel uh, informed and provide them the tools in order for them to begin living the kind of life they envision for themselves. Right. I want to help lift people up. Yeah. Because there really hasn't been a place that that really talked about that work in between. You mm-hmm. know, we all love a good transformational story. Man, yeah. we love that before picture and yeah. we love <laughs> after picture. And I have a great one. I have a wonderful before picture and a wonderful after picture. And I have a great story. And I, and I acknowledge that. But nobody seems to like to talk about that work in between, which is mm-hmm. where the title came from, because I thought, all we Messy ever middle <laughs> is yeah is the before and the after uh-huh. and nobody understands what the middle looks like yep so that's what we talk about on my show and yeah. that is what i think is resonating with people is because at the end of each show i also say okay what are three things people can do today yeah instead of just talking about it again mm-hmm. we got to have some action because if without action we just stay in our head and right we get overwhelmed but action translates into momentum. Mm-hmm. And that's so important because it builds confidence. And you know, in your field, what you do, you're doing the same thing. Yeah. Just from a little different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to say that I um I have been binging your podcast, The Work in Between, and I absolutely love it. And I hope that my listeners take some time to um take a listen as well because there are so many good episodes. <laughs> Thank you so much. So. We're just finishing our first uh, season. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't, I've invited you to be on and yeah. I can't wait to, to talk with you yeah. uh, and ask you a bunch of questions. I've been listening to yours and yeah. I love your perspective. I love how uh, you are approaching it. And I like that you're mm-hmm. targeting those of us who uh, are not, you know, triathletes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important because that's the majority of people, right? I mean, that's, that's that's who we want to help. So, well, I appreciate your time today, Gretchen. I know that my listeners will get a lot from this podcast. Where can they, if they want to follow you and find out more about you and listen to your podcast, give us all the information on you and where to find you. Sure. So I have a website, uh, www.gretchenholmesphd.com. So you can go on there and read a little bit about my story. I'm finishing up my book now. I hope it will be done in the fall by the end of the year. <laughs> uh, so I'm excited about that. But you can also uh, catch all my my podcasts there. But you can catch the, uh, the actual podcasts on you know Apple and Spotify mm-hmm. and, and iHeartRadio. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just look for me, uh, Gretchen Holmes. And uh, I I am developing a new Facebook page that's dedicated. And, and I'm going to get better about 
all the social media, I promise. <laughs> um, so it's a I'm, lot. <laughs> it, it is a lot. You know how it is. Yeah. We're, we're planning uh, season two, and I, I am so excited because we're going to get into uh, survivor stories, um, mm. and we're going to continue our transformational sh- journey stories, and yeah. and I'm going to keep bringing folks on who are way smarter than I am and <laughs> to help everybody out. And, and so thank you so much for your support. That's one of the really cool things about being part of this community yeah. is how much, how many cool people we get to meet that we exactly. That's, and that's we can support each other. Yep. Yes. Well, thank you again, Gretchen. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Fit News Podcast. And we will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fit News Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Shaver, and I'm on a continuing mission to help you stay strong, healthy, and happy. A special thank you to our producer, Noah Martin, and Retrospection Multimedia. Tune in to the Fit News Podcast every Monday to get your tips for living your best midlife. These episodes are live-streamed weekly in our Facebook group. Be sure to comment, like, and subscribe to Fit News Podcast for your weekly health advice. To join the Facebook group, visit strongforlifefitness.com.